a follow-up, a mini-review, and two dark things. Reset 71. This is Reset. It can be found at reset.fm. I'll be talking about anything that plugs in or takes batteries. Mostly home automation, networking, home storage, and technology in general. Reset was inspired by a bent paperclip that has been sitting on my desk for years. It reminds me to be adventurous and have fun, because there's usually a reset button. Let's get started. Hello everybody, I'm David McCabe. Welcome back to Resets number 71. I tried to be solemn there on the intro. Did that, did that work? You know what? Then I thought about it. I was like, man, we need, we need to, I need to pep you guys up, or you guys need to pep me up or something. We'll, um... I'll talk a little bit about my experience of the last week and because uh, that's what we're all experiencing, right? And then also we're going to talk about my build, my gaming build follow-up. It's one year, almost one year out of uh, since I made this build and I want to I want to share that with you. Also a mini review of Miros gear, some smart home gear. Two dark things. One is in the reset forums and the first dark thing, of course, we're going to I'm going to tell you about my experience to date with COVID-19, the, the thing going on here. So that's Reset 71. Uh, big thanks to my Patreon members. Everybody who uh, goes out there to patreon.com slash David McCabe and donates whatever whatever you can, right? $2 a month, $1 a month, $10 a month. Doesn't matter to me. It all is totally appreciated, right? It goes straight to the bottom line. It I I tell people when I email them that it keeps the lights on and the hard drive spinning, right? Because it costs some money to host the host those reset forms and host the reset podcast uh, storage and streaming. So it all goes to that, and I appreciate that. So what I did, let's see, I did this two weeks ago. So I. I posted to all the existing patrons. I said, hey guys, I've got a new sticker. Leave me your address in the sticker. Uh, in your Update your Patreon settings, I think, uh, your info. And you can put your address in there, right, for mail-outs and whatnot, gifts and prizes and what's, what, whatnot. I said, put your addresses in there. So got a lot of addresses. I'm ready to send out the stickers. I've got the stickers, guys. I'm, I'm sitting here holding them. Now, I don't want to give it away yet. I don't want to show everybody until my patrons have this sticker in their hands first. Um, this is this is not in the uh, on the patronage page, right? Like you 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 set goals for your community, and when you reach those goals, you you do something, right, for your patrons. This was just I like I had an idea for a sticker, and I thought I'm going to do this, right? And I'm going to give it away to the patrons and you know because when you join reset uh patreon you get the reset sticker right it's it's a square sticker it looks like the logo no no surprise there no secret there but this one's different and i wanted just to send it out as a thank you and guess what i have no stamps no stamps right now and i am we're we are locked down Right, we're locked down, so we'll talk about that. But I want you to know, I got them. I even have all the addresses in a nice spreadsheet, ready to do an export to some labels, and I have no stamps. So 
I'm going to figure out a way to get some stamps, even if I have to like do stamps.com or something and, and just buy some stamps and print them at home. I'll do that. You know, that's taken it to extreme with this thing, this COVID-19 coronavirus. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, as a family, we're actually trying to do our part as much as possible and to the most extreme as possible, right? We, uh, the week prior, I'm going to say to the freak out, and I hate to, I hate to use that word, but, you know, last week, last week prior to the recording of this podcast, it, it, it got bad, right? This is March 20th, the day I'm recording this. So this week has been like, serious right it's serious florida's closing the beaches because people kept coming out and so the week prior i went to the grocery store and you probably saw some of my uh if you follow me on twitter i was tweeting uh you know kind of joking about prepping quote-unquote prepping and i took a picture of some coffee and whatnot oh trust me i bought a lot of coffee but i wasn't technically prepping right i didn't i didn't buy any toilet paper that's for sure i didn't buy any kleenexes or paper towels no paper goods at all um i wasn't a part of that mess that debacle i just i bought some food right i bought you know some chicken noodle soup and things i didn't i didn't buy a whole lot of food but i bought because I, I was technically on a grocery run, right? But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, maybe instead of two cans of chicken noodle soup, I'll get 10, just in case. So this week, my community released the rules regarding travel and whatnot. And it's, it's pretty much lockdown. Um, this is my, my town, this is not Indiana. This is not the Fed. But this was my town. It said travel related to medical. These, these are the only reasons you can get out. These are the only reasons you should be leaving your house. Travel related to medical. Travel required to provide care to another for whom you are the primary caregiver. Travel for mandatory work activities. Travel for food, groceries, medication, Essential household goods and hygiene. That's it. Four sentences. Now, essential household goods. Now, do my stamps fall within that? Mm, Maybe. I don't know. Probably not, right? But it was crazy to me to see photos this week of people going out even last week, last week we knew better. Like we probably shouldn't be leaving, going out. There's other places that are on lockdown. We think we're going to be locked down soon. And I saw these posts. People were going out and really, really congregating with others. And I'm thinking, man, that is not the way you do this thing, right? And, uh, well, now we're learning. Um, we have completed here in uh, central Indiana, we've completed one week of e-learning. So 
at home. We've been at home all week. We've done the e-learning thing. It The governor gave our school districts 20 days of like flex, right? You could wipe 20 days off the books and still graduate that that year. So technically we're doing two weeks of e-learning. We have four days relaxed, so nothing, right? And then we have our spring break. And then we can't go back until May 1st, as it stands right now, May 1st. So that means three more weeks of e-learning after spring break. That would be May 1. And technically, they could call it right then and there because we have another, what, 16 days of flex. And I very, I, I'm assuming that that is how it's going to play. I don't think these kids are going back to school, which is a shame. It's a total shame. If, don't, I'm, my kids are somewhat enjoying it because they're, they're getting a little bit more Xbox time, right? And I'm not, I'm not making them sit at the kitchen table for eight hours and just nose in a book, right? They need they need their friends. They need those FaceTimes and chats and whatnot and you know, just to be sane. Give them some Xbox time, give them some PC time. Come up with things for them to do, stretch their brain. It's been it's been really hard here because this whole week has been raining. Just cats and dogs raining. If if it's not been raining, it's been cold. But it's been raining a lot. We're under flash flood warnings and whatnot. So I've been trying to just keep them busy, but I think that uh, May 1, I think it's done. We had plans for spring break, which I'm sure a lot of you guys did. Those are all gone. Those are canceled. Um, The biggest thing, like like I said, uh, my kids, man, I, I think their age group, we're talking fifth grade and seventh grade, they're, they're powering through this pr- with ease, I, you know. With ease. It's easier, right? They're doing their work. I haven't had to hit them over the head to do their work. They do want to get through it. They, you know, they don't want to, they get started, they want to get it done and move on. It's, it's not these kids that I feel, I feel bad for the seniors, right? For their year of, activities kind of maybe taken from them. Yeah. I don't know, taken, robbed. It's, you know, there's, I guess there's different types of kids that are seniors. Some of them just don't care, right? Some of them just want to get the heck out of Dodge. I don't know, were you one of those? I was, I was like half and half, right? I was like, okay, let's get this over with. And, uh, move on but then again you know you're doing things with your friends and you got seniors have more privilege right than uh than juniors and sophomores freshmen and whatnot it's a different year i know you can relate 2020 is supposed to be pretty big uh year 2020 it's uh we're definitely going to remember that right we're definitely going to remember that amazon came out and said they're not taking shipments for two and a half weeks on a lot of stuff. So that means company 
with some some kind of widget, calls Amazon and says, hey, we'd like to schedule our next truck to your warehouse. Amazon says, nope, we're only taking food and medical supplies. So think of that when you order. Think of that when you replenish. I just recently made an Amazon order, and some of the dates looked unorthodox, right, for, for shipping. Like it was taking a couple of extra days, which, granted, that's going to happen. So... I could see it. I don't know if you've ordered anything. Could you see anything? Um, I didn't order anything. It wasn't anything like, I mean, I could have done without it, right? I'm trying to get ready for uh, spring and, and lawn and pool and whatnot. All those things. Man, I think if I can just get that swimming pool back there open, if I can get that thing open, things are going to change, right? This whole being at home thing is going to be way different, way different. So think of that when you're, um, when you need to stock up, you should be stocking up on your lawn stuff, right? Hopefully you're a lawn care nut like I am and, uh, you are stocking up. So I did, I bought, actually I bought, uh, my pre-emergence several weeks ago. They've just been sitting there taunting me and I've been measuring the temperature of my ground under my grass very diligently and I'm waiting for my perfect window. I probably would have done it this week had it not rained, but I still have some time. We're still at 48 degrees ground temperature. It's crazy. I went outside today to blow the steam off, blow the stink off, whatever you call it. It was 64 degrees this morning. It was beautiful. Oh my God, it was so beautiful. I am just doing things, and I was just happy, 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 happy. Uh, got the mower out, you know, put the snowblower away, and I'm getting the pool house un, undone to ready to, you know, turn the water on and, and do all these things and get things. And in a span of two hours, it went from 64 degrees to 40 and windy. So it was cold. I mean, it was downright cold. That didn't stop me from driving, riding my mower down the street, (laughs) messing around. And it's supposed to be 20 degrees tonight. So there went that. But um, hopefully we'll have a string of warm weather uh, to get us going. So I've debated about starting a thread in the reset forums because it's a polarizing topic, right? It's almost like religion and politics, right? There's a fine line between a discussion and then an argument. So I've resisted doing anything in the forums, but I will take your feedback, you know, as a podcast listener, if that is something, if you would like to talk about it, if you'd like to, you know, discuss, I'm totally willing and able to do that to put something out there to come, you know, so guys can talk, you know, people, you, you have to talk. And I think it's important for everyone to, uh, to be kind of a community here. And the thing about the forums is it's got a very, very diverse community of, you know, Europeans and poor Italians and, you know, Germans and Americans and Canadians, Australians, 
a lot of a lot of traffic from these companies asian asian countries a lot of traffic so i'll hold off if you tell me come out there to the forums say dave this would this would be something that i would like to discuss or share your share your thoughts you know so just let me know okay actual podcast i want to start with a PC I built one year ago. I started this PC as a server, most like any PC I've ever built in the last 10 years. It starts as a server. And then I decided, no, I want to build a gaming rig. I, I had my Windows 10 PC sitting beside me at all times, and... It was my it was my everything, right? It was a gamer. It ran Plex. It was a kind of a server. It did all of my things. You know, back in the day when we were mining, it was my it was my like what I worked with in order to do all of that mining stuff. So that is what I did with that. And it was getting long in the tooth, so I thought, man, let's let's build let's build a server. Then no, let's build a gamer. And I kind of split the middle between both of those units, right? I wanted something that would hold, that would, I could put some more drives into, but its primary purpose was going to be for PC gaming. I would turn it on for that and then turn it off and not have to worry about anything else. So that's what I did. And I started, uh, looking around, I wanted to do a budget build. I didn't want to break the bank. And I had a few parts already. And that's always, always handy when you do a build, right? What do you have on, what do you have on hand? Do you have a hard drive? Do you have an SSD? Do you have a spare power supply? Do you have a case? Most of us have that. I would say most of us have that sitting in a box or sitting on a shelf, or sitting in an old box that you could repurpose. Keyboard, mouse, probably we have that. A lot of you have, you know, a GPU sitting, not being used, that you could, all you had to do is throw a MOBO, a CPU, and some RAM, and then, bam, you've got a nice gaming PC. Which was the case for me. I had a lot of this stuff. I have multiple PCs laying around. I have I had the GPUs. I have an RX 550. Now, granted, that's not the most dynamic and power, uh, you know, delivering GPU. But I had a 1060, 3 gig. I had the RX 550. And is that it? I think that's it. I had a case, which I had bought a case a year prior. And no, a couple of months prior. And I was going to do a server build out of. So, you know when you make those purchases like a month or two prior to your big your big lump sum purchase, you kind of say, you kind of forget about that expense, right? You've already, you've already overcome that expense, right? So, I typically don't add that to my build expense. My build expense is that large purchase when you make the big purchase altogether, which usually is the motherboard, the RAM, the GPU, and the CPU. 
you know, when you buy all that together, lump sum. So I had already absorbed that cost, so it didn't really feel that much to me. Had a power supply. I had the keyboard and mouse, and it was actually a gaming keyboard and mouse that I had already absorbed all that, all those costs. So I was feeling good about this. I'm like, let's make a gaming PC. So I've got a post for you out on the reset forums. Gaming build. I my post is a gaming build follow up one year update, where I list every single part. And I'll tell you a little bit about it, maybe why I picked it, and how it's doing. And I got a picture or two. I'm not going to go, we've talked about this. Uh, what show was that? Insert show number here. I think it was like 63 or something, something back there in the 60s, where I talked about these parts and the build itself. This is the one-year follow-up, and basically it's to tell you that these this Gaming PCs rock solid. It is used on a daily basis and not by me. I lost this box to my 12-year-old who is one week away from being a teenager. He games on it a lot. I game on it never. I can see it. It's in my office. I'm pointing to it. It's within my reach. But my chair... My stuff is not beside it. It is all the teenagers. I lost this box. Nice ASRock Micro ATX motherboard. 75 bucks. Went with the AMD Ryzen 7. Yep, stepped up to the 7. 200 bucks. Thermaltake Core V21 case, which I was so excited about building this case. And putting hard drives in it. I still have stacks and stacks of spinning hard drives. NAS drives, mostly. And I was going to build a custom cage to go inside of it. And stack these drives. And make that server. And never got around to that. Because I kind of purposed it for the gamer. I thought what I would do is have a gaming PC for a while. Get tired of it and then make a server out of it. That's how I thought that this was going to go. But it didn't, so I'm, I'm not too torn up about that. Put 16 gigs of RAM in it. Uh, Corsair LED RAM. I love the LED RAM. Um, the CPU, the Ryzen 7, has the Wraith uh, Spire LED cooler, which looks really cool. I picked up a Thermaltake uh, LED, LED uh, fan and slapped that on the back. I have a, a big Thermaltake fan for the intake as well that I had on hand. Imagine that. And so I got some LED bling in it, which I like. I would have rather have gone complete Corsair because my keyboard and mouse are Corsair. So with that one software program, you can run the Corsair RAM, the keyboard and mouse, and the fans. But Thermaltake was cheap, and I don't know. I, I kind of hit my ceiling of costs, right? The GPU... I actually picked up that at Fry's back when Fry's actually had some stock. That was a GTX 1660Ti. It does fine with the monitor I have, which is a 28-inch 1080p monitor, nothing fancy. I did buy a nice SSD. I bought the Samsung 970 Pro, which uh, is a 512 gig. Uh, it's M.2 NVMe. 
and it is blazingly flat, fast. I love it. Corsair keyboard and mouse. Uh, for, it's for gamers. It's not top of the line by any means. It's entry level. But that was to save money both and to uh, realize that I am entry level. So uh, $12 mouse pad, which it's one of those ginormous ones that covers your desk. I love those. I probably have three laying around in my office, um, touching one right now. And I had a power supply in stock, a 650 in stock. So all parts except the GPU I costed. Costed? Is that a word? Costed. At 758 bucks. GPU is around 300 so I'm tagging my complete build that's from nothing in front of you to a working machine at about 1000 bucks that's everything and I I put that in this post and I kind of show it to you uh, I went with the micro ATX instead of the mini mini are I mean these are like so small little motherboards no extra card slots except for that gpu and i didn't want that whatsoever i wanted force uh four slots of ram and i wanted extra slots in case i wanted to add like a raid board a controller or something like that that was imperative to me that i have those extra slots and that's why i went with the uh, micro atx which i think it's a perfect form fa- form factor uh, it's small, but it's not um, it's not minuscule like the mini. So, biggest thing is is hey Dave, would you do this again? If you were building a PC today, what would you do? I would probably do something very similar. I would, of course, I would re-research this, but this is a great starting point. Uh, all of the hardware is still available today, and everything that I looked up and clicked on it was a about the same price as when I purchased it. And that's a good thing. I'm glad there's like, you know, because motherboards go in and out of uh, retail, you know, rather quickly, one or two years, and they're done. You can't buy them anymore. So this is a good thing. It's a good build. And I will put that link in the show notes for you. You can go to reset.fm slash 71, and that link will be in the show notes. The build, the follow-up. The forums post. All right, on to my next big item. I just recently, I better get comfortable for this. I don't know, we may be here for a while. Now, I want to do this as a mini review because I still have a lot to do with this product and I don't really know how to pronounce it. It's M E R O S S. Miros, 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 Miros. I don't know how to, Miros. Okay, whatever. (laughs) They have smart Wi-Fi gear. And what they're famous for is, I think they're famous for their garage door opener. They have a lot of uh, light switches. And one of the things that drew me to this gear was they have a smart three-way light switch. And it's on Wi-Fi. So let's go over those two things and why I would even consider that. So I've always had, I'm going to call this edge problems. When I say edge problems, I mean Z-Wave or Zigbee devices on the edge of my network, meaning way far out, 
maybe even in my pool house on way out by my side door running lights and whatnot. And then that's to get all the way back to that little smart things hub, which I have in my main family room as out in the open and as much visible for networking as possible. I have employed and purchased, purchased and employed actually Zigbee and Z-Wave. I'll call them lamp adapters, right? Just plugs because a powered Z-Wave device also acts as a repeater. Not a battery operated item, but a powered item. So all you got to do is buy a lamp module, plug it in and add it to your network and then tell your network to optimize and it should add that as a hop to get to anything farther away. I've done that with Z-Wave and Zigbee. So I've always had it in the back of my mind that when Wi-Fi smart options present themselves as ready, I would purchase and transition to some type of Wi-Fi device. I, I think that's where it's going. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And I, I honestly don't know if if Wi-Fi is ready for that. But I did see these devices on sale and Wi-Fi enabled. So let me read it to you again. Smart three-way light switch. And you only need one. That's the, that's the title of this thing. Only one needed. So when you say a three-way you're actually talking about a light that has a a light fixture that has two light switches. Think of the stairs. Bottom of the stairs, top of the stairs. You're at the bottom, you turn it on, you get to the top, you turn it off. You go about go about your business. On the reviews and the in the QA on Amazon, it does say that they are capable of doing four-way, which would be an added switch. And so one mirror switch would take care of a four-way switch. Now, I don't know how much I trust that. It's gonna be I have a spot where I can try it, and I may I may try this. But here's the thing: I have not tried a three-way installation. I have installed it as a single light switch and technically in the instructions it says you're not supposed to do that but I mean it's it's pretty easy you got load you got line there's a traveler and there's a neutral so you just have to do load and line and uh and your neutral and just wire that up your traveler because there's there's no traveler traveler is the wire that goes to the other switch so when you do these three ways there is the main switch that has the line and the load, and then there is the secondary switch. So you have to find which one of yours is the main switch that has the line and the load, not the one that is connected via the traveler wire. So, which is, you just never know. You never know which one that's going to be in your house. So you just never know. You got to pop both of them out and look for it. And now that is something that I have not done yet. I've done it before with Z-Wave. The reason that these Miros three-way light switches 
are so cool as you only have to buy one. 20 bucks, you can get one of these things and you don't have to buy the second switch. On a Z-Wave network, I had to buy the main light switch and the one, I'll just call it secondary. I don't remember the, the nomenclature of it. But it was an additional 25 bucks for that one. And the Z-Wave switches were more expensive to begin with. So you're out 50, 60 bucks for one three-way switch. So there were some benefits to this. Um, I used it in uh, the single switch that, like I told you, worked just fine. Everything, I mean, it could not have gone any easier. The problems I did note, it comes in white, and my house is light almond. So, ah, if you have white, you're fine. If you don't, then you're going to have this big white switch. It's a Decora, right? It looks like a rocker, but it's not. That is the other con of it. It is a single touch button. There's a light on it. And then there is, I'm going to call it the top, the top of the switch. It's on on and off. It doesn't rock whatsoever. That could be annoying to you. I can I can see that. Um, it's no big deal for us. It's just it's just a switch. It's just a button. Push it. The light that is on it, you can tell it to be on whether it's whether the circuit's on or off, right? So I like I like for that indicator light on the light switch itself to come on when the light is on. That way I know, take for instance, I have one on my garage lights. We have a light switch inside the house for the garage lights, right? So you can turn the garage lights on, open the door, go to the garage. Well, if you leave them on, you have no way to know after you shut the door. But you look at the light switch, you say, oh, the little indicator's on. I'll turn that off. Click, done. So that's pretty cool. I'm seeing it right now as $24.99. Save an extra 15% when you apply a coupon code. And it says delivery Tuesday. Oh, if I order within the next 12 minutes. So Friday right now, it that is some extra delivery time. I got them uh, much faster than that. So three-way light switches, only one needed. It works with ALEXA. Google Assistant, if this, then that. The cool thing was is you can use, with this, you can have your ALEXA be the hub. You load in the software. Uh, I forget, it's a skill. It's called a skill for ALEXA. And then you do the rediscover, and she will find it as a device. And I was able to do all of the things that I would do normally with ALEXA as a hub or smart things as a hub. Meaning, I put it on a porch light. Nice and simple. There's only one location, one light, one switch. And that porch switch was by a Ring doorbell. So I am able to use Ring as a motion sensor. And turn that light on when it sees someone approaching the door 
it will turn that light on. That's kind of what, um, you got to have that, right? Someone's coming up to your door, you need to turn the light on. There's a lot of little intricacies in there, right? Some Ring products do not offer you motion sensing. I have a Ring Pro 2 doorbell. Maybe it's just a Ring Pro doorbell, I think. Maybe they're calling the Pro 2, that new one. Um, we're gonna, I guess we'll talk about that later. So there's a lot of little things in there that could go wrong, but that's how I'm using it. Works for me. I was able to apply that logic perfectly with uh, ALEXA. I am able to, with ALEXA, you can apply sunset, uh, sunrise logic with offset. So you can say, you know, plus 10 minutes. So you always have the lights on, like your landscape lights. Tell it to come on 15 minutes prior to sundown. So that means your landscape lights will be on before sundown. So when you gradually lose light, it's like you're gradually increasing light on your house and on your paths and your landscaping. Offset, very important uh, to have offset. Their app, the Miros app, does not have offset. It has sunset sundown, sun, sunset sunrise, um, but it does not have the offset ability. So, I mean, but how many of us are going to use that app as the, uh, you know, the hub, right? This is not, I, I'm assuming a lot of, most of us are not going to have that as the hub of their system in their home. And yes, you can do it by name if you, um, if you name it something, right? Meaning, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to read at the same time. Uh, you can say, A-L-E-X-A, turn the side porch off or turn the side porch on or whatever. So you can do that. I th- I'm assuming you can group it. You can do all the rules that you've, you know, I do a lot of rules with uh, Amazon's A-L-E-X-A, just the app. It's not the greatest app in the world, but you can apply some decent rules to it. I have another Wi-Fi uh, plug module that I do, you know, sunrise and sunset, you know, plus offset. And I can say, A-L-E-X-A, turn the pool house on, you know, and she'll turn those lights on. So um, it it's powerful. It, I mean, I, I think it's very powerful. And if um, I, I bridge a lot of things back and forth between smart things and my A-L-E-X-A network, but I see a point in my future that I will not have to. I can probably unplug smart things. I think smart things is honestly going to be my water sensor of in the future because I have a lot of water sensors invested in the smart things ecosystem and I'm not terribly excited about repurchasing that. So we'll see. I mean, right now it has my recommendation and we haven't even talked about uh, the other gear. Let's talk about the other gear. One of them is a smart outdoor plug. It's got, it's a black box. It's got a six inch cord that's grounded, plugs into your power and it has two plugs on it. 
It is outdoor. It doesn't mean that you can dump it in a bucket of water, but it means it can get splashed. It can get, you know, sprinkler on it. You use it for garden lighting, you know, landscape lighting, Christmas. I mean, tons, you know, tons of Christmas plugs to be able to turn that on. Um, whatever you're powering outside, if you want to um, hook it up to this dual plug, you can, in the app, turn one on or turn both on. It works just fine. Uh, we're talking twenty one ninety nine as I see it right now. In stock, free delivery Tuesday, order within five minutes. So, yeah, we're five days uh, delivery on this. Two plugs, 22 bucks. Complete, total deal. It's a deal. Something I forgot to tell you earlier, this is 2.4 gigahertz, 2 gigahertz spectrum only. There's no 5, five gigahertz spectrum on this. Good and bad, right? It depends on uh, on your network. Uh, it's 2.4, so it is going to reach a little farther out, but you you have to keep that in mind. With my Ubiquity network, it's not a big deal. I can assign, I actually assign a separate SSID for my smart gear. And then if I wanted to VLAN all that stuff together, I could. I have not yet, but I assume someday that I will to try to keep that separate and talking on its own. I don't know about maybe someday creating a complete subnet just for that gear. I probably will do that too, just to just to try it. But that's the dual plug, completely worth it. I bought two of those. <laughs> One of them's just sitting in the floor. I just I was testing with it, and I have not I have not put it together uh, with anything else. Uh, what I did though is that that's actually the first device that I turned on, and I monitored it with my stats engine to see what kind of traffic was going in and out. It was minuscule. I mean the traffic from that device out to the internet was mostly when I set it up. That's it. It's a couple kilobytes of data. Just not a lot at all. I was just just making sure it wasn't calling China and reporting home, you know, COVID-19 statistics from, you know, whatever. I just, just being safe, I guess. I don't know. The next big one, smart Wi-Fi garage door opener. Yes. We've talked about this before. I've threatened buying it before and I never did. And here it is. I bought two of them. Same thing. Wi-Fi controlled garage door opener that has an open closed sensor and not a tilt sensor. So I say that and I I stress that part because I came from a tilt sensor system that I created five, six years ago. I mean, a long time ago. I had two separate pieces to my garage door opener. I had a Z-Wave switch that I had to program to do temporary switching, right? When you tap the button on your phone, it goes click, click. So... On, off. Just like pressing the button on the garage door opener that's, you know, on the wall in the garage. You press it, you release it. That's click, 
click, temporary switching, not altered state switching, like it's on, I stay on. Touch it, click it again, I'm off, I stay off. Two different states, you know, it's a it's a on, off, on, off, just like a garage door switch. I had that, and then I also had a tilt switch, which almost looks like an old Mercury switch, but it's encased into a little IC design, and you hold it vertical, and then you could tilt it flat, and it would open and close, and it would tell you, hey, the garage door is open. So you put the tilt switch on the door itself. You have to fasten it to the door. So when the door rolls up and then finally tilts and rolls flat above your car, it's open, and it reports as such. The problem is, is the thing sometimes doesn't like to change states. Those tilt switches were just cantankerous. Sometimes they don't change states. They were also battery operated. So that gets me out of two batteries, two tilt switches that are not reliable. And it got me out of two batteries. Now the um, the Z-Wave switch that actually actuated the um, the garage door opener was a plug-in module. It didn't come with a cord. I had to splice in a power cord from a PC, you know, manually to do that. And to be honest with you, these switches are like high-voltage, high-amperage switches. They were not designed just to do garage doors, although it did it just fine. Years later, there came out some smaller switches that were able to do temporary switching, you know, on, off, uh, at, at low voltage. And they would have been better suited, but I just, I never, never had a reason really to undo those. They were quite reliable, honestly. Um, but it wasn't a system that I ever depended upon. And uh, way back in the day, it was very hard to put garage door logic, excuse me, on the system because it was like back in the day of version one smart things, they did not want to support garages. I think it fell out of the the bounds of their comfort in being able to support a system. They had one at one point and then it disappeared and no one would answer why or what's going on. And the easiest way to get into garage door switching years after I had this solution was to buy the the Lowe's Iris system, which and I and I know a lot of you guys have purchased that and works probably still works to this day. But I can't remember what that cost was. Those like ninety bucks. I can't remember. My switch, gosh, what was my switch? It was probably thirty to forty dollars per switch, and then twenty dollars per tilt switch. So. It, it was expensive. I'm hoping to turn those around and put those on eBay and get those sold. And I'm sure they'll sell, but I don't I don't know how for how much. But I'm glad to be out of that system. This one is very simple. It has a control module that you put somewhere near the garage door opener itself, not the button, not the door, but the opener itself. You know, strap it to one of those uh, metal straps that goes to the ceiling. And then run the wire to your button module. You know it's going to work 
with your garage door opener, if you can take a wire and short the two terminals where your button connects, right? If you can short that and it opens, it will work with your garage door opener. Mine was not listed as compatible with this system. It was not listed as compatible, but it passes the switch shorting method of compatibility. And I I didn't even look because I knew it did because I've fussed with it before, right? That's all I'm doing now is with my Z-Wave Relay is I'm shorting the switch and then I'm unshorting it and it opens, right? So I was pretty confident it would work and the app in setup asks you what system you have and it was just like, uh, mine's not listed, skip. And then they ask you, does it work? And then, yes, it works. And then it just goes about its business and adds it as a garage door, which uh, the setup was pretty easy. I, I mean, it was uh, it was really, really easy. Uh, it didn't, I found that it worked better on the iPhone than it did on the Androids, but um, I won't uh, pick on Android for that. Um, Android gave some false, um, false failures. I would, I will put it. Whereas it would say, "Oh, I failed! I failed!" Ah, and then you just hit continue, and it's like, "Okay, I'm, I'm fine. I'm better now." Um, their app shows a couple of bay doors as closed or open. You can name it. There's an LED that you can have control over. You can assign it a pin code. That way you can tell A-L-E-X-A by voice to close or open your garage. Then she's going to ask you for the pin. That's for safety so no one does it, you know, standing outside of your driveway. Um, You can do, you know what I haven't tried to do is if A-L-E-X-A knows if it's open or not. That would be something to try. You can have it notify you on opens or closes. If you have a busy household, that can be very annoying. Very annoying. Oh, I don't have my overtime reminder on. So an overtime reminder is if the garage door is open for a set amount of time to remind you. So you come home, you think you open it, or you I mean, you think you close it, you walk in the house and actually it just bounced off of a basketball or a football and you try to go to bed, but it'll remind you, hey, your garage door's been open for 15 minutes and you haven't closed it. So it also has an overnight monitor. Why did I not save this? I thought I had this saved. I'm going to set it for 10 p.m. Save. So 10 p.m. rolls around. Your garage door is open. The app's going to tell you, hey, dude, it's 10 o'clock, your garage door is open. Go close it. You can auto-close it or fixed time close it. Now, I find with a busy household that those do not work. They are not safe. If you are a bachelor, I assume that that's going to be great. I also found in my day uh, not to use proximity. I used to love to have uh, my... Uh, proximity sensor, smart thing sensor in my car. And when I got into range of my house, it would open the garage door. However, I would find that 
um, the proximity sensor would be in the car, in the garage, in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden say, oh, the car's not here. And then, oh, the car's here. And it would jump back into the network. Oh, the car's here. Well, I better open the garage door. It would open the garage door at 10 o'clock at night. And you're like, what is going on? Um, Proximity, I do not recommend. But fixed time close, overtime close, maybe you could uh, maybe you could get away with that, right? I think overtime close would be kind of cool. Um, if bay is open for more than X amount of minutes, close it. On certain days, maybe maybe you don't do that on the weekend because you're mowing and you have the on the you have the garage open, right? A lot of a lot of things to go over with it and highly worth the money. Now here's something to consider. There are two different versions on Amazon. I'm looking at one now that's $49.99. Save an extra 15 bucks when you apply the coupon. It comes in white, gray, and black. I don't know why you'd need another color, but it, I guess that whatever. There's another one that's more up to date. It's $69.97. No coupon. In the Q&A by the reviews of this device, people have asked, what's the difference? And someone said that it is the adapter to plug in. Now, the ones that I bought, I bought the cheaper one, y'all. I'll be honest with you. I bought two of these. I bought the lower cost one because all I could really find was it had the plug in was different. Mine came with a typical five volt USB plug and a USB cable that runs down into the the um, whatever you call it the little widget that you connect to your garage door. I haven't found any issues with that. It's been up. I've been running on that two weeks. I wouldn't call that a review period per se, but I've had zero issue with it. Right, and it's very spot on with its notifications. In fact, probably too well. I have a little notification fatigue. But it does tell me when it's been open for more than 15 minutes. And if you are looking for something like this, I'm going to give it my pass. Made in China. have no idea who the Miros company is. If this was from Amazon, yeah, maybe I'd feel a little better about it knowing it's from them. But then again, sometimes you feel good about something that's not from Amazon, right? It says four and a half stars with 1,400 reviews. That's a good That's a good ratio. That is a very good ratio. Let's see, that's it. I bought two of those, two garage door openers. I bought five three-way light switches and I bought two outdoor smart plugs. I spent a couple of dollars on these reviews, on these units, and I would do it again. Absolutely. So I guess my mini review turned into a review. Just remember, I've only had them for two weeks and I have not done a three-way switch. There are pros and cons for those. Remember, it's only in white. It's not a rocker switch. And technically, I have not taken the outside plug outside. But I do have one that's very similar, and it has been in action on my pool house 
uh, got some landscape lights for a pool for it's been in action for two years without much of a hiccup honestly the biggest hiccup is getting wi-fi out there right so back to the show notes that's pretty much what's going on there there is a mini review of this on the reset forums and i will put that link there and let you come in and chit chat about that and I've got a note to myself says, do you know what I really need is I need a module and they make these, they make them in Z-Wave that goes in the wall for the plug to make it smart. So I've got two rooms that have three light switches and a two gang outlet. And that's because where they were wired, where the wires were pulled down into the wall there's studs on either side that will not allow a three-gang switch. It only allows a two-gang switch. So you have one stacked switch and one full rocker, which is a pain in the butt, and that's why I've never put smarts into them. I have to someday invest in those little modules that you wire up behind the switch, and they're, they've got the Z-Wave, but they're behind it. I need one of those in Wi-Fi. I, would, I need something like that in Wi-Fi. They, it, I think Zigbee Z-Wave, they, it's covered, but I've never, I've never quite pulled the trigger on that. I need that. So I talked about two things dark, right? One, of course, was the coronavirus thing. The other dark thing is something fun. Reset Forms has a dark theme. That's it. All you got to do is go down to the bottom of the Reset Forms and click the theme button, and you can choose Reset Dark, and it's a dark theme. Okay. That's it. The other notes I have for me is Ring has its door, it's Pro 3. I was talking about Ring Pro earlier. I'm pretty sure I have Ring Pro 2. There's a Ring Pro 3 upgrade for 229 And I put a question mark to myself. Are people really going to pull a doorbell out and upgrade it? These things aren't, these things are cheap. Are you? It, it has to have enough oomph and a lot of extra features for you to pull that out. And what they're saying, the biggest new feature is you'll be able to view video prior to the motion being detected. Now, I swear I have this on my Pro doorbells. My Pro doorbells are wired to power. And I can see, I can see like the FedEx guy on the street, like he pulls up in his van, I can see him about two steps out of his van, walking up to my door, dropping the package, fake knocking, or not knocking at all, or not ringing the doorbell at all. I get all of that recorded, which I really like. So if it adds that potential to the battery-operated device then yeah, maybe maybe we will upgrade those because that is fantastic. And I've heard people complain that they don't get like any video at all of someone dropping the box or stealing the box. They all, all they see is the back end of the person walking away. That would drive me absolutely mad. I would, I would probably have not kept the product if that was the case. So, yes, I think that feature is worth it for the Ring Pro 3 
if you already have a Ring doorbell. I don't know. You'll have to tell me, is that worth it or not? I think it is. I think having that entire video, it gives the camera time to go from dark to light, to chill, to get a good stream going with the Wi-Fi and then make the best picture quality possible to pick up the person walking up to your porch. I think I think that's worth it. World Backup Day is March 31st. Don't wait until March 31st. I've never been a proponent of World Backup Day. I've never like been, oh, it's World Backup Day. We're going to have a show and we're going to do... No, I've never been a proponent of that. You just stay up to date all year long. But if you want to use this as your, hey, I need to make a checklist and check things, just start checking stuff. Do your UPSs. You're supposed to do this on spring forward to fall back, but your 9-volt batteries in your smoke detectors. But verify your backups. Make sure your things are running out to OneDrive. Make sure your iCloud backups are good. Make sure your PC backups are good. Make sure your NAS is up to date. Make sure your UPS battery is not more than three years old. Maybe you should test it. Don't test it with your PC. Test it with something else. But make sure it has enough load to actually test it. I had one fail on me. Uh, Yeah, the battery was over five years old. Yikes. Practice what you preach, Dave. But... If it happened to me, I know for sure somebody out there has a UPS with a five-year-old battery, right? So once the load came onto the UPS, it it wouldn't even stay on. But when, if it's plugged in, it's just filtering power straight through it, right? It looks like it's fine. It may not be fine. Check your batteries. World backup day, March 31st. So I know I know Chicago and Illinois just sent out the alert to quarantine. I don't necessarily say quarantine, but the stay at home thing. Folks, stay at home. Don't don't spread this thing around. I think this one's serious. We probably should stay home a couple of days. That means you need to get out there on the reset forums and just discuss more. Create topics. Let's discuss. Tell me what you're thinking. Give me some feedback on this one. If you would like to do some open conversations, I should be doing this with my patrons. Uh, Maybe we should create a weekly or bi-weekly chat where we can just chit-chat as humans. If that would be something you'd be interested in, let me know. I'm, I'm way open to do that, so... Especially to all you guys that listen to this podcast, uh, you kind of make the world go around for me and the old reset company. So I super, really appreciate that and uh, willing to do whatever to uh, connect with you guys as one human to another. So be safe. Don't congregate. Cover your cough. You've heard this all before. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. This has been Reset can be found at reset.fm or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash David McCabe. Follow on Twitter at McCabe.io and you can discuss this episode and more on Reset Forums, resetforums.com. Intro and outro music is by Darylene. Find it at soundcloud.com, Darylene Music. That's D-E-R-L-E-E Music. Support of this podcast can be done at Patreon patreon.com slash David McCabe. There's also some shopping links at resetforums.com if you want to use those. 
If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you next week on Reset.